Good evening, everybody. Good to see you. Can we just say welcome to our church family online? We haven't seen them maybe in a little bit, but welcome, guys. We're just so glad to see you. And uh, to be honest, we don't see you, but hopefully you see us. And uh, we'd love to see you again in person when you guys have a chance to come. We'd love to see you. Hey, but this evening... Uh, we're continuing a series we started uh, about a month ago and uh, restoring our awe of God. And when we started, we talked about the awe of God as really basically the holy fear of the Lord, not being deathly afraid of God, not running from God, but having a fear and a respect and an awe of God that actually draws us to Him. And so uh, we began by talking about the fact that it's the beginning of wisdom, the Scripture talks about it's a foundational principle it's one of the things that I think in our culture that when we want to talk about the love of God we know the love of God calls us draws us closer to him but it's understanding the fear of the Lord that often helps us to restrain ourselves from evil and so we've been talking about this series and we talked about the beginning of wisdom we talked about it in terms of us responding to God's word we talked about it in terms of um, our friendship and intimacy with God and this evening we're continuing this by about this evening as we've been talking about restoring our awe of God, knowing that there's also just benefits uh, that come with that. And I'm guessing that a lot of us, that you have benefits somewhere along the lines in your life, whether it's from your, your job or where you, you, uh, where you bank or where you, uh, where you live, that there's some benefits that you probably don't even take advantage of. Uh, uh, I've been a, kind of a gym guy ever since I was, went back to school when I went to uh, seminary and I was uh, got off, came off the mission field, um, when you're studying all the time, you just have to kind of exercise your body because your mind is the, the thing that happens, right? That's what you're working. Um, so I've been kind of a gym guy ever since then in various kind of a forms. Um, but so I've had a gym membership. But then I started hearing about people who said that they got like free gym memberships. I go, like, for where? He goes, oh, 24 hours, or, you know, like the ones that we have here. And I was thinking, like, well, how did you get that? He says, oh, you're in my insurance, my health insurance. They, they, I pay, well, not free, but it's $5. That's next to free, right, today. Five, $5 is next to free today. And, um, and so they said, you should check your insurance. I go, oh, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I never heard of that. And I checked my insurance, and guess what? Yeah, I, I could work out for $5 if, if I wanted to. Can I just admit something? I haven't done it yet. <laughs> so in other words, I'm still paying for something that I can get basically for free. It's an it's a old, old membership, so it's not that much. But to be honest, how about you know, saving money is better than spending money, right? But I'm guessing there's other things that you get, right, that you guys get as a result of something. You, like whether it is your insurance or your paid time off or your retirement, there's these benefits. A lot of those things you may not be using now, but sometimes there's other things like how many of you guys know that maybe where you live maybe you get like uh, you can get reduced ticket prices to movies or or different kinds of things that you have like or, or free towing from your insurance I uh, my car uh, a while back that I uh, it started to bog and I didn't and I wanted to tow because I just wanted to make sure that I didn't have something more seriously go wrong like a broken timing belt or whatever and I was thinking this is gonna cost me till I remembered oh yeah it's part of the deal 
my insurance, my, my car insurance, right? But here's the thing, if you are not aware of the benefits that you are entitled to, it's very difficult at times to take advantage. And so this evening, what we wanna say is that experiencing and restoring our awe of God, a healthy, holy fear of God has benefits, and God wants you to experience those benefits. We're gonna talk about three things uh, this evening. You guys ready to do that? Shall we do that together? Okay, you guys could have coffee Saturday. Like you guys probably don't have to do anything else, but uh, we're gonna look at that this evening. And so I'm gonna um, read through a few of these things, but one of those things I think that we need to be reminded of is just because you have benefits, don't be, this is a fr- the first point, don't be afraid to contend for God's promises. Because sometimes the promises of God, the benefits that God even gives to us as his followers, as his sons, as his daughters, that at times that God gives us promises, but sometimes you got to work for them at the same time. And, that, and when I say work for them, it's to contend for it. And I'll explain that in a little bit. For instance, Abram or Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter 12, when he's first called by God, when he's called out, out of where he's been living in, in, a, in a place that doesn't know God, The voice of God comes to him and says, Abraham, I want you to leave where you're living in in Genesis 12, and I want you to go to where I'm gonna show you, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And that specific person, later on we find, is gonna be a man named Isaac. This was God's clear message. This was the child, right? And so... Uh, here's what it says in Genesis 21, uh, 2. It says it like this. Ready? Let's read what it says. Who is going to be the blessing? Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, right? And so he's saying Abraham had a son. He had several uh, sons, but he, he had a son, Ishmael. To be honest, what we see in the Middle East, the scripture even talks about, I was talking with one of my sons this, this week, and he says, Dad, where does all this come from? Why is it so crazy? I said, to be honest, you know what you find? We find that playing out of what was said in Genesis, that the descendants of Ishmael, and the descendants of Isaac will have strife between them. And it has been that way for thousands of years. And so this aspect that we see is God, God told us this thing would happen. And uh, it's crazy. It's still happening uh, today. But here's the thing. It's that, that through a, a series of miraculous events, uh, Abraham um, goes to find, uh, sends his um, servant to go find a wife for Isaac. Why? Because Isaac is supposed to be a son of promise. So he needs a wife to have children. And, and so they go back to the land that where he's from and he, he meets uh, miraculously a woman at the well. Her name's Rebecca. Turns out she's related to, um, to Abraham. And so uh, this is the perfect thing. They wanted somebody from the same tribe, same family. And then so Isaac then continues this blessing um, and uh, uh, Rebecca comes back and, and gets married. There's only one problem that they weren't aware of, that the where, the, what they became aware of when they got married and they tried to have kids, then they became aware that 
you know, Rebecca had some fertility issues. She, she just couldn't conceive. And maybe in this kind of temp, uh, situation, you might be tempted that sometimes to think, well, it is what it is for some of us. It's like, uh, we tried, but then we can't, right? And, and if God wants me to have children, I'll have children, some of us. Or maybe that today we might think that, hey, I'm gonna go see the fertility clinic and, and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with seeing a fertility specialist. Um, Jasmine, last week, we were talking about that was sharing her story and and after having had two miscarriages that what her friends were saying everybody was saying is go seek a fertility specialist There's nothing wrong with that except the voice of God that just said to her would you trust me in this would you trust me in this and I, I'm glad that to be honest she's not here tonight you know why because she's having a baby shower tonight right so aren't you glad that somehow God can take our greatest pains our greatest fears our greatest hurts and turn it around and bring life out of it and God can do that in yours can you agree with that let's give God praise that he can turn your greatest pains greatest hurts turn it around and so we're glad for that but but here's the thing, when she couldn't conceive, sometimes when you hit a roadblock, and this time there was no fertility specialist, right? There was no the clinic to go to. There was no hormone that you could take. There was no, you know, whatever uh, in vitro. There was nothing like that. And so, to be honest, they either prayed or they just kind of said it is what it is. And maybe then I'll go through another person. Now, I don't know if you've ever been this kind of a place before where God has promised something in the scriptures. For instance, he says, he is a provider, but you find yourself behind in your payments. He promises he's a healer, but we find ourselves struggling with health issues. He promises that he will lead us and shepherd us, but you still feel lost. He promises us peace, but then you're caught up in anxiety. I'm gonna guess that that's not rhetorical really for many of us that that you understand this aspect and and so when we're in that kind of a situation what did Isaac do Isaac this is what he did in Genesis 25 21 it says this can we read what it says let's read ready begin Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children and the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Isaac doesn't throw up his hands and settle. Isaac doesn't go and take another wife. Isaac doesn't go and find some surrogate. He says, not only did God promise to bring a child through me, I believe he promised to bring the child through my wife. And so what did he do? He had a specific action. It says that word that he prayed, the word adar, is that he entreated God. He, it's a supplication. It's a fervent prayer. And there are some prayers that we pray that are quiet and gentle and, Lord, I just love you today, or whatever it is, or can you just bless this person? Is this kind of like that? And then there's some you're desperate. Some you're desperate. You guys ever been desperate for something? right? We're desperate for help. We're desperate for deliverance. We're, we're desperate for a breakthrough. That sometimes that, that's what leads us to an earnest prayer. Don't be afraid of desperation because desperation sometimes leads us to fervent and earnest prayer. James 5.16 says this, that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Let's say wonderful results. Wonderful. 
But it's predicated on something right first, that fervent prayer. I didn't understand this. Uh, and I, this got illustrated to me uh, a number of years ago when uh, I was... I had a flight, I had to go to LA, there's this conference and this thing I needed to go to and I went to the airport early and when I got there, um, then they, we found that the, the flight was canceled. And so there's a big mess, you guys know how that works, that, that you now you gotta reschedule and there's long lines and all that and there's usually compensation, right? So usually when the, the flight is canceled and they give you, there's some kind of compensation and so I'm standing in line and I see you know, person after person, I can hear that they're saying, okay, here's gonna be your voucher for future flights, you know, you get a free flight and you get a free flight, whatever, and they're booking people on different airlines going out, some of them like, in a few hours, some of them like the next day, that kind of a thing. And I finally get to them and I explain the situation. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on this flight and need to rebook my ticket. And then they, they start rebooking the thing and then they say, okay, here's your, here's your um, ticket. This is your flight that you're gonna go on this flight that's later on tonight. And I'm, and I'm standing there and I go, okay. And they go, is there anything else? I go, I said, is that it? And they go, yeah, that's it, what, did, what else do you expect? I said, isn't there some kind of compensation for that, right? Don't you, I, I saw other people getting free flights and then the lady goes, so what, what do you want? Like free flight then? I go, yes, <laughs> yes, that's I would, I would like that. And she's like kind of disgusted. <sighs> and then she says, she types in some stuff and then she gives me a voucher for free flight, right? <laughs> And I take the voucher, I wait, and I go on the plane. And then as I'm sitting on the plane and the plane is flying, I, I, I should be grateful because I, I didn't, you know, I'm not gonna blow the conference. I'm not gonna kind of, I'm not gonna miss my appointment and my car or any of that kind of rides, that kind of stuff. But I'm in my seat just looking out the window and I'm complaining to God. And I, felt, I said this literally to God. God, why is it that sometimes I just have to fight for everything? I could see everybody else getting something. And then I heard the Lord just say this to me. Well, you're on the flight, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. I am, I mean, I'm grateful to be on the flight, but this is the thing is that sometimes the thing that you think is promised, sometimes you still gotta fight for it. And this is what Isaac discovers. It was promised, but when there is an obstruction, when there is a delay, when there is some, some kind of a lack of response, sometimes we still have to contend for it. Are there things that are like that? God promises you provision. He says that I'm the God who provides. I'm, I'm the God who directs. It doesn't mean that we just sit and we say, okay, I'm not gonna go look for a job then, right? No, that's not, and we, we, most of us know that it doesn't work like that. I'm gonna, you're gonna lead me, so I'm just gonna sit and then you're gonna somehow text me the direction. No, that you, we know that we probably have to be involved in that process, but here's the thing, that sometimes you just have to claim the promise. And then when, when circumstances tell you like, well, so what, you want a free flight? You know what you say? Yes, absolutely, <laughs> right? Like, and, and so, you know, it doesn't mean, when I say this, it doesn't mean that you will always get everything that you pray for in the way that you think you should get it. 
It doesn't mean that when God says, I will provide, sometimes it doesn't mean that it's going to be in the way that you envisioned it. Some of us, we have prayed for, for a spouse. How many of us, you guys are married, but, and you prayed for a spouse? Okay. Only the spiritual people in the back. All the, all the rest of you guys, you guys never pray? I don't know what happened, but I prayed, right? I prayed. But you know what? How did it happen? It didn't, how many of you guys said it was exactly how you thought it was going to happen? Most of the time not, right? Like some of you, you guys had to go through a breakup before that happened, right? Some of us had to go through rejection. Some of you, you asked them out and they said no and then you kept asking and it was in this continued asking. That's how it happened, right? There's, there's things, God promises that he will lead you, he will bless you, but it doesn't always look like how you think it should. And so sometimes we have to contend for these promises. And because God doesn't want us to be resigned to situations, he wants us to believe him for situations. Elijah, when he was called by God to, to, to go and to pray for the nation of Israel, because they had been through s- several years of drought, that in the midst of that drought, that God called him to, to pray that it would rain. And so he goes up, he, he does this thing where they confront the prophets of Baal, a dramatic power of God poured out, fire falls down from heaven, licks up everything, it's, it's crazy. It's like, it, it's like a movie. And then after that though, rain still hasn't fallen, right? So, Ab- so Elijah has to go up to the mountain and it says he basically curled up like in a ball and started to pray, God, would you bring rain? And then he tells his servant, go look, did you see anything? Nope. <laughs> he goes back and he's praying. He, he kind of like, huddled down. Some people say that that kind of huddled position is almost the position like what would be a, 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 a woman in childbirth that you guys, I, I, I'm, I grew up in Wahiwa. Outside of Wahiwa, there's these places called the birthing stones. I don't know if you guys, anybody remembers out there because there's these curved stones where, because the, the, the shape of the rock that they said the Ali'i women would go there because they would kind of, it would curve in the back and that, that kind of a position was the position they would be in when they would give birth. And sometimes it's like in the midst of what you pray for that you are birthing something spiritually. And so he asks again, and still nothing. And then the third time, and then he says, and oh, uh, I see a little wisp of cloud, kind of like just in the size of a man's hand. And then he continues to pray and he prays for seven times till finally the clouds darken and uh, spread and then it says rain fell and drenched the land. Maybe you're one prayer away from seeing what you hope for to be something that you can receive because it doesn't just always happen automatically for whatever the reason. Sometimes we don't know why Rebecca couldn't conceive. She could have had some physical problems. She could have had some uh, a spiritual problems. She could have had, we don't know what it is. But this is what we do know, that prayer 
Whether it's a physical, biological problem, it broke through the biological problem. If it was a spiritual problem, what did it happen? It broke through the spiritual blockage, right? So we know that Isaac's fervent prayer was what unleashed God's promise in his life. And so if there's something for you, if there's a place where it's contrary to God's word, sometimes this is what we must do. We must contend for it for ourselves. And when we talk to people at times who are in serious financial condition or serious health condition, sometimes we say, you know what, you just pray once and that's it. But there's many of us that, you know what, I say, we pray but we keep on praying. Pray every week, get together with your friends, ask, Pray together. Go to the prayer corner. Pray. Go to the prayer team. Ask them to pray. Ask them to partner with you because God can touch you at the deepest point of your need, whether it's a spiritual issue, an emotional issue, a financial issue, a relational issue. It doesn't matter to him. Can we just say, God can make things work, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, God can make things work. You just have to fight for it sometimes. You just have to contend for it sometimes. Don't be afraid to contend for something in prayer, right? So that's one of the benefits. He says, I am going to fulfill you. I am going to bless you. I am going to give you promises, but sometimes you still have to fight for it. And the second thing is this, that you can count on God's help and protection. You can count on God's help and protection. A very well-known verse, I love this verse, I, 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 I say it often, I, I, I pray it often for people, I pray it often for myself. It just says this, let's read what it says in Psalm 34, 7. It says this, ready? Let's read. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. You know, I asked a bunch of young people in this last week, uh, hey, you guys... You guys following what's happening in the news, what's happening in the world, what's happening in the Middle East? And the average young, like when I say young, like maybe 19 to 23, this is the average response I get. <laughs> like, well, I don't know what's going on, right? And not everybody, but the, that's, the, that's the average kind of response. And it's because they, they're not really kind of keeping track of that. But you know, the thing is that for a lot of us, the ones who've been watching, we understand that part of these things that are happening over there is it can affect oil production, right? It can affect, uh, oil affects uh, economic uh, kind of productivity, right? It, it affects, it'll have a trickle down in terms of inflation. And if, because if cost of fuel goes up across the board, guess what, guess what happens? Everything else, especially when you live in Hawaii, Everything is dependent on that, right? So we, we understand that. We understand that this little thing that seems to be a, just a little skirmish against this 20-mile border next to this little isolated kind of self-governing section in Israel called the Gaza Strip, that it doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna stay in that section, right? And so we already see happening from the north that there's missiles and different things. And we understand that, you know what, sometimes something really small turns into something super crazy that you could never, right? So sometimes we get concerned about that. But 
If you're concerned about things like this, that you're concerned about the security, your financial security, concerned about your retirement, you're concerned about whatever the case, you're concerned about your kids or your family, you have a right to be concerned. But this is what God doesn't want you to be, fearful and worried. That's not what he wants you to be. He wants you to take authority. He wants you to be serious about it. He wants you to understand. But it says this, when God says he helps those who fears the Lord, he is a guard around them. The, the word that is used is the word hana in, in Hebrew, which means to encamp. It's a camp, it's a protective enclosure that a military would use, an army would use, and it's derived from the, the word to bend and curve. In other words, they're, they're, they're kind of making a kind of opposite of a wishbone, right? Like, a, you know, like for football people, but they're, they're, uh, they're, they're creating a line around it. That's, that's what it's used. And, and so the, 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 it was originally circular in layout, but probably this aspect became like a semicircle because of the direction of the enemy. That's what it says, that God begins to put a, a basically a contingent. Uh, he, he, puts a, he puts a front line in front of you. He puts, he puts heavenly host in front that's like a protective guard that encamps around you. And what does that mean? Maybe it's similar to what uh, God said to the prophet Isaiah. And, and it seems this way more relevant today than maybe it would have even two weeks ago. He says this the, in Isaiah 8. Can we read this together? Let's read. The Lord has given me a strong warning. Let's say strong warning. Right? A strong warning, not just a warning, but hey, a strong warning. What? Not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will what? Keep you safe. You see, God's promise over and over again in the scriptures is that when you fear him and when we come and understand a, a, a reverence of God, we rediscover this awe of God, then this is what he says. Hey, I, it's like when you come under me, then he says, then I'll protect you. I will encamp. I will help you. And that we ought not to just think like the world thinks. We ought not to just think like what social media says or even the news says and not everything is a conspiracy right not everything is a conspiracy but don't live in dread what frightens them it says in the last days that the hearts of men will fail because of fear because of wars and rumors of wars but he says this instead jesus says instead look up instead look up because your redemption is drawing closer in Isaiah, he says this, he will keep you safe. God is your protection and your shield. And that he needs you to understand that. Now, this is not license to go out and do the stupidest, most rebellious thing that you can do and expect God to protect you from consequences, right? And we understand that. So that because we, because we have a reverence for God, that we wouldn't want to do that, right? We, we want to do what is right. We want to follow God. But 
Because if we are living with the holy fear of God and awe of the Lord, we don't want to justify those things. So this is not a promise. At the same time, not just for every person who says they're Christian, right? It's a promise that says for those who fear the Lord, those who reverence him, that those who want to obey what his word is, those that when God speaks that we take it seriously. God says this is a strong warning because he says that last week we talked about that, that, that there will be many who claim to follow Jesus, but then he's gonna say, I never knew you. Why is that? Because they were living, to be, to be honest, that they were ultimately living to please themselves. They were ultimately living to, for power or position or influence or for benefits of those things, but not really for God. But so this is what he says, but when we when we honor him, when we have a reverence for him, this is what he says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us what? To deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age. And when he says when that happens, he says God, God has a protection. You know, there's been times probably that you have that, you know that things could have gone really wrong if God hadn't intervened, right? I'm guessing you guys have things like that. There's been things in my life I can see that, that things could be, go really, really wrong. Um, before I was a pastor, I was a missionary, right? Worked mostly with college students and, and we did training and discipleship and took them on missions and things like that. And um, we had this one kid that got involved. It was just kind of odd, different, different kid um, came from, um, I'm not sure how he got connected with us, as some friend of a friend, possibly, I forget now. But when he came in, that he, he started kind of getting obsessed with one of the, the girls in the, in the ministry, and we began to try to say, hey, you know, you, you cannot cross these lines. And, and it went back from kind of, some like a little bit odd situation to kind of spun out of control and actually she ended up getting a restraining order for him and and then we found out that he you know he had some quirks and uh i, I would take this kid home sometimes and um he i remember talking to him about it like in the car i just was driving and say hey you know um his name was i just say this his name was jeff uh, and as we're driving, as I'm talking to him, he literally just opened the door and ran away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, he didn't want to talk about it, so he, we were at the stoplight, so he just opened the door and ran away somewhere in town, even though I know he lived, like, in Central. You know, I was taking him home. And it turned out later that, you know, as this thing was getting worse and worse, that um, he literally threatened to come to the ministry and shoot everybody and to kill this girl. And so we ended up calling the police and we called the police and the police basically said we can't do anything until unless we see them in the middle of this. And then we called campus security at UH and said, I don't know what you want us to do. Like, should we cancel or whatever? That's what they, and he said, well, we can send a couple guys. We can't do anything. We can't stop them outside, but they'll sit inside. And I go, okay, I don't know what that's gonna do, but like, uh, and literally that night, I just felt like I just need to, I still need to shepherd these people. I still am a leader. I'm not a hired hand. 
But God, I have this feeling I'm going to get shot tonight. I called the guy's house where he lived and I spoke to the roommate and he told me that roommate had a gun. And I said, can you do me a favor? Can you go check if your gun is there? And he went, came back, he said, oh, sorry, you know, my gun is missing. And so we knew that he took the gun. And so I just got the guys together and there's a bunch of students, guys, former football players and at UH and different things. I said, if you see this guy coming, don't like just, you know, clean him out or whatever it is, but, but just let us know and I will, I'll be there. We'll, we'll kind of come to that place. And I was just literally thinking, you know, yeah, tonight I get shot. <laughs> Um, I just had this bad feeling, you guys, you know what I mean? So we, we had a time, we just prayed. And all we prayed was, Lord, that this is your promise, that the angel of the Lord encamps around those fear him. We did the practical thing. We called the police, we called the security, we did what we could. We, were, we considered canceling, but I said, that, let's not give in to the spirit of fear. And we just prayed. And you know, the thing is that he, he, he didn't show up that night. We don't know why. He never said. He ended up going to prison later for something entirely different. He ended up robbing a bank. And, uh, you know, the thing is that later on, the FBI came to, uh, I was on a different um, uh, staff at a different church. And the FBI came. I wasn't there at that time. And they were asking about him. And he said, yeah, this guy needs help because we, we found out he robbed a bank and they said, yeah, but he robbed the bank that he worked at. So everybody knew who he was, you know what I mean? So something was wrong with him, right? But, but can we just say that sometimes God needs to show his presence because yeah, something was wrong. And I, you know, he, he spent time in a facility, right? But God had a protection over us. Now, there may be times that what you're going through is scary, it's painful, it's difficult, and you suffer. And, and God doesn't promise that we won't have any suffering in life. In fact, Jesus said that sometimes in this life, right, you're going to suffer. Sometimes there's difficulty in life. But he just says this, take heart for I've overcome the world. I think largely this is not a, you know, like let's say in Israel, are there believers that, that have been injured, maybe, yeah, maybe that happens. In Ukraine, are there believers that have got injured? Yeah, I, I'm gonna guess that there are. But, but in those moments, sometimes the suffering that is ordained by God is for the glory of God. But largely, I believe that in, and kind of like in the absence of that kind of a, just a craziness where things are unpredictable, I really believe when God says that he's a protection and a guard, you can take that to the bank. It's not an excuse to be unaware of your surroundings. It's not an excuse to go off like in the middle of the night to like the bad part of town and bias. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm talking about. You know, use wisdom. But if we think about it, that when God raised up three men who feared him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were said, they were told, unless you bow down and you worship the king, we will throw you into the fire. But I like you guys, the king is saying, just bow down. And, and this is what it says that, that in the middle of that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, their response 
to the king was, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I love what he says, because if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is what? Able to save us, he says. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But then this is the kicker. Verse verse 18, what? But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And what were they saying? We fear God more than we fear you. We fear God, we revere God more than we revere you. And God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not changing. And when people have that kind of a commitment, God shows up. You read just a few verses later that when they're thrown into the fire that Nebuchadnezzar is shocked and and he says to his advisors, hey, wait, wasn't it three guys that we threw in the fire and that we see them in the furnace? And he says, yes, your majesty, certainly we did, they replied. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, look. He says, look, because I see what? Four men. And we sing a song called Another in the Fire. You guys remember that? There's another in the fire. Right, what is it that's standing like next to me, right? So there's another. Okay, whatever they're saying. <laughs> whatever they're saying, I can't quite hear, it's muffled. But here's the thing, is that it's making reference to this exact story. That when they were in the fire, even when they went in the fire, Jesus was with them in the fire. And it doesn't always say that, that we will avoid the fire. Sometimes he will take us protection through the fire. But you gotta be willing and you gotta honor him first because this is the promise to those who fear the Lord, right? And so, you know, sometimes he rescues us from the circumstances and protects us and sometimes he walks us through it. This morning, we did a service in here, we did a funeral in here for a lady that's been part of our church for quite a while. And a lot of you guys know her. Some of us were in the same life group with Michelle Weaver. And, um, you know, the thing is that um, she came down with cancer, thought it was one thing, turned out to be something super dramatic, had been stage four by the time they found out and was given just a couple months, two, three months to live. That's generally what happened. But you know, the thing is that what was said about her today as friends and family just came up and talked and kind of shared about their experience with Michelle. The, the thing that she said, the, the words that came out the most was that what a gracious lady she was. Just the, the, uh, the grace that she had, the way she dealt with people. And I experienced that. Like I'm visiting her in the hospital. I'm visiting her on her deathbed at her apartment. I'm visiting, and this is the, without fail, every time I visit, Pastor Glenn, how are you today? And I'm thinking, why are you asking me that? I'm good, right? Like whatever is going, I'm, well, I'm going through, I'm good compared to what you're going through. I'm not, I don't see that. But that's what I'm thinking in the back of my head. But she never complained about her situation. She never said, why me? But you know what? 
she just recognized. She was saying, let's contend. I said, can we contend for healing in this situation? She said, yes. But even if he does not heal me, I know my Redeemer. And you know, she, it's not that she wasn't afraid at times. I think that would be maybe a little too much that when we kind of face those moments, everybody gets fears. But it didn't shake her faith. And she had a peace that marked it that when she went to be with the Lord, her family, her legacy was that, you know what? I want to follow Jesus like Michelle followed Jesus. Because I saw Jesus in her. And you know, that, that's, that's part of the promise. The promise is part that, that if you have that kind of a faith, you have that kind of a trust, that it's going to live beyond you. Because it's, it's a measurable thing. It's a tangible thing. Paul said this, that he says, For I fully expect and hope, and I, that I'll never be ashamed. He says, but I will continue to be bold for Christ, as I have in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. Dying is even better. It's not that Michelle wanted to die, but she was convinced that Jesus was living in her and if whether her healing came in fullness on this side of eternity or the next side of eternity, that she would much rather be where Jesus was calling her. And because of that, I think everybody recognized that. Is there any area right now that you're battling fear? Could be about anything. Could be about your future. Could be about your health. I mean, everybody has some kind of a fear. Could be about your finances, relationships, your job, your school. The pressure to fit in. I don't, I don't know what it is. But you know what that often is? It's this the areas that where we just haven't brought that before God. This is, those are the areas that we haven't submitted before God. Those are the people or the kids or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the husband or the wife that we haven't submitted to God. But when you submit them to God, then you know what we realize? God covers them. God, God's promise extends over them. That, that's, God wants you to do that. God wants me to do that. There's fears that I have. There's been fears for my kids, and I've had to just place them afresh at the foot of the cross and dedicate them and leave them and say, God, they're, they were your kids long before they were my kids. Do you know what it does? It gives me peace. It gives me, gives me the capacity to move forward regardless. But this is this last thing. This is the last point. By the way, I am totally lost because I don't see any time. Okay, I still got a little bit of time. But um, normally there's a time on this thing, so I, I know where I am. <coughs> and I still preach over sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, but today I think I'm going to finish on time. But this is what it says. This is the third thing. Receive God's promise of successful living. Receive God's promise of successful living. Let's read what it says, Proverbs 22.4. Ready? Let's read. True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life, right? So what's the three things? Riches, honor, 
and long life. But it says this, this is the prerequisite, right? So he's saying that when we have the, the fear of the Lord, when we have the reverence for God, when we have that awe of God, he says there's true humility and fear of the Lord. And part of the reason I think that is, is that if you ever see anybody who has a very sincere fear of the Lord, there's usually humility that comes along with that, right? There's usually a humble spirit. There's usually, they're not the most prideful people, the people who have the, the fear of the Lord. But it says this. He says that riches, honor, and a long life. Let me, that's, I'm going to go over the three things, the riches. Riches comes from the word that means wealth, that means riches, right? And so, or to accumulate wealth is so... And, you know, and for some of us, you know, there's, there's, there's tension in that because sometimes we think, but doesn't the Bible say that, you know, like we shouldn't, you know, strive for riches? Yes, it, does, it says that. Like don't totally live everything for riches, but money itself is not bad, right? Money itself is not evil. What does Paul say? It's the what? Love. Of money, right? It's the it's the idolatry of money. It's it's giving money a power that it was not meant to do. Money is a good servant. It's a poor master, right? Money is a poor master, but when you tell it what to do, it's a good servant, right? It it, it accomplishes what you decide for it to do. And so it says, God tells us in Ecclesiastes, by the way, that. That if you, you know, if you, some people like, I know some people like, they, they do very well financially. And it's almost like they can feel guilty if you're not careful, right? Because it's, it's like, uh, oh, you guys love money. That's why you have a like, no, no, no. The scripture doesn't say that. That, that sometimes, sometimes financial wealth, I haven't experienced like that. But hey, I have friends very well off financially. I, I'm just, I, I celebrate that. I, I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful that God has blessed them like that. And that they're entitled, can we say this? They're entitled to, to eat of the fruit of their labor. Last week I talked a little bit about my brand new car that I bought like a few months ago, right? The Lexus that just happened to be 19 years old, right? But you know, so a uh, very used car. I mean, like, I, I if I have some friends, they roll up, they got brand new Mercedes. I said, hey, let me drive it. No, I was kidding. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy for them. It doesn't matter like if, if that's the, the lot that God has given to them, and that's great. They've stewarded those things well. Nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing that we, all of us ought to save, right? All of us ought to invest, and all of us ought to give in ways so that we don't consume it all on ourselves, Right? It doesn't matter how much you get. It just, it, it's, all of us should do that. And Luke tells a story in Luke chapter 12 about a man who, who makes some money and, and then he makes more money. And, and then the more money he makes, the more he starts dreaming bigger dreams. And he says, I'm going to take all my money and I'm going I'm to buy all this place and I'm going to tear down all the old barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And then, and then I'll have room enough to store all the things that I have and all the goods. And then I'll sit back and I'll say to my life, my friend, you've stored away everything for years to come. Now, just take it easy. Eat, drink, and be be merry, but the problem with that kind of mindset, he says, is that when we just live for the accumulation of wealth and for the ease of my own life, he says that you never know how long you live. 
right? So in the story, he actually says, you fool. Tonight, your life will be required of you. And then who's going to take what you have? The story is not that riches are bad. The story is consuming all your riches on yourself and on just your loved ones, right? He says, that is kind of what you're not supposed to do. He says, he says this, and so is everyone who is not rich toward God. And so that's God calls us that when, that part of that, if you're blessed financially, God says, invest in the kingdom. God says that if you have done well, be blessed, be thankful for that, enjoy that. But he says this, don't consume it all on yourself, all on your friends, all on your loved ones. Don't save it just for that. Use it to advance my kingdom. And so his approach it's just not to be self-centered, not to be wealth-centered, but to say this, that money is a tool. It's meant to be a servant to the priorities of God because money is a good servant but a poor master. When we let money drive us, it puts us in the wrong place, puts us in the wrong mindset. And so Jesus concludes that. He says, hey, whoever lives that way, he says, and you're not rich toward God? He says, something's wrong. He goes, true wealth isn't even always found on a balance sheet or a portfolio, right? But, but sometimes even he says this, that there's some that they've given up houses and, and brothers and sisters. They've left their families. They've gone into the mission field. I know a ton of people who've gone into the mission field. I know a young guy that... Um, my friend's son that uh, I, I was the first guy to babysit their baby and I've held him and, and in my hand when he was just a baby and I was the first guy to babysit him. Grew up, you know, kind of had his straying years but came to the Lord in college really, came to the Lord, gave his heart. He's, he and his family right now, they're in India. You know, graduate from a great college, could have made a lot of money but they're just, they left. What about those guys? Are they going to be rich? Maybe not in terms of financial wealth. I did that for 10 years. I did that for a season of my life until I transitioned into um, just kind of a more church ministry because I wanted to be in a place where I could kind of basically see them get started in life and, and even to the end of life. I wanted to be in that kind of a position. But this is, what about those guys? In Matthew 19, Jesus gives a promise. He says, everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return in this life and in the next life, eternal life. You know what it's saying? It's saying because in the people that you bless, in the people that you reach, in the people, you know what you're gonna have? More brothers and sisters, right? You know, more places that you're gonna be invited into those homes, that you're gonna be blessed, you're gonna be encouraged. And so some people are rich financially and some people are rich relationally, but all of those, all of us ought to be rich toward God, right? And so, but that's one of the promises, wealth. Second thing is honor. Let's say honor. 
What is honor? Is honor is a kind of not a common term in our culture today, but it means a weightiness, a, a glory or riches. And it, it implies a picture uh, of authority, like the, the guy. Some of you guys have people in your life that maybe they might not be uh, at work or in your family. It might be somebody that they're not always chirping at everything, but, but when they speak, people listen. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right, that they, they may not be, they don't have to always be in front of everybody. In fact, sometimes they're kind of hiding or steering out of the way, but when there's an important decision, they're often asked to speak. And when they say, even if it's a short thing, everybody pays attention. Why is that? Because there's honor. There's a weightiness about them, right? They're not lightweights. They're not necessarily the guy that everybody says, hey, that this did a crazy party guy, but, but he says this, honor. And another word for that is dignity, right? In Proverbs 31, it describes the virtuous woman. Often we read that around Mother's Day and that she's trustworthy and wise and, and diligent and energetic and she's hardworking and, and there, there's, pro, there's prosperity and she's kind and she helps those in need and defends the helpless. But this is what it says. I love what it says in Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five. This is what it says, let's read that. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Now, I'll just be honest. I think my wife fits that description. I think my wife is, is a Proverbs 31, verse 25 kind of a woman. And, I, and I'm honored that, that God gave her to me. I, I'm blessed that God has called her and I to live life together. But, but because of that, she doesn't always say. But when she says something, there's a weight to it. There's a strength to it. There's a dignity to it. And I'm always talking. No, I was kidding. Um, sometimes. But this is what it says, that when you fear the Lord, you won't be considered a lightweight. That when you fear the Lord, you won't just be the flighty person. You're not going to be a person who will be ignored. You're not going to be a person that, that is on the, on the outskirts, but you will be a person that in the right moments, you will be sought out. Right? And here's the last thing about the benefit for the fear of the Lord in terms of this weekend. That is longevity. Longevity. The capacity to be in it over the long haul. Right? It says that the fear of the Lord and humility, it says, true humility and the fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life, right? Now the fear of the Lord says this in Proverbs 10, 27, it repeats this aspect. It says the fear of the Lord lengthens one's life. You know, some of us might kind of be in a place where you say, I know people that they feared the Lord, but they didn't live that long. And you know what it says though? It lengthens one's life. I believe that, that there are some people that, you know what, they're relatively short in their lives. But I believe that when they feared the Lord, God extended their time. That it would have been shorter. My father-in-law, 
that when he came to the Lord, didn't know God, when he got sick, he came up with this neurological brain disease, and he was dying. And when my mother-in-law said, can you guys just come? I knew that was unusual. My mother-in-law would never ask that. But so we dropped what we were doing. We told the church, hey, would you guys pray? We prayed as a church, and we went. And I fasted and prayed, and when we got to the hospital, we laid hands on him and we prayed, and he was unrecognizable. He hadn't been eating at that point for 30 days. He hadn't eaten in 30 days. He was on not just an IV, but they were giving some kind of nutrition through uh, that IV. There was no recognition in his face. If you ever see somebody and you look at them and they look at you and you can see there's something going on inside, there was nothing. There was no recognition. So he, I, he was unrecognizable because no affect on his face. And we began to pray and he, I mean, he began to move. He began to respond. And then later, the doctor said, said, hey, you know, we always thought that if we give this thing, if we give this medication, then he'll get better. But he, was, he kept getting worse and worse. And it didn't matter what we give. We expected him to get better, but he didn't. He just kept getting worse. And worse. We expected we give him this, and then he stopped. Then he would, he'd get stopped, but he just kept going down. And he said, until one day, he stopped. And then he just started getting better and better. And then we would give this next medication, and so we thought that it would increase. But he just kept getting better and better. And we thought we give this medication and then that would make him just go up like that. But he just kept getting better and better. And we just asked, when was that time when he stopped the decline and just started getting better? You know what they said? The day we came and we prayed. Non-Christian doctors in Japan, that's what they said. And he had, what a good eight years, right? No, but a good eight years. And then he had a hard five years, but he had a good eight years. But to be honest, if he hadn't, God intervened, he would have had 13 years less. But God lengthened his days. Sometimes we don't know, like when you see people, they're good people, godly people, love the Lord, feared the Lord. Imagine what would have happened if God not had lengthened their days. None of us, when we have a loved one, we go like, yeah, that's enough, take them home. None of us are like that. We always want them to stay with us, right? But the fear of the Lord lengthens your days. It increases your shelf life. I got saved in 1982. There have been seven presidents since then. I got saved when I was three years old. No, I was kidding, but um, I have had, I think, a fairly long shelf life already, 41 years when I think about it, 41 years serving the Lord. And I'm not like that old, but my prayer is that I would be like a man called Caleb. You guys know Caleb? Caleb and Joshua, who served the Lord, that he says this, 
they honored the Lord, they feared the Lord, that when the spies went into the land, they said that, I don't care if there's giants, I don't care what the situation is, God is able to deliver us, just follow him. And God had his hand on those two leaders, Joshua and Caleb. And then this is what he said 45 years later. 45 years later, he was already 40 plus years old. He says, today, I'm 85 years old, and I am as strong today as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So you know what? Give me the land, let me contend for the promises you gave me for the hill country. That's what he says. You know what? That's how I feel. I'm 41 years older than I was when I came to Jesus, but I feel like I still have the same vitality and the same strength. And you know, the only thing that hinders that, the only thing that hinders that is when you get a spirit of pride. And that's why it has humility, true humility, and the fear of the Lord, those two go hand in hand. There's a picture of a king named Uzziah that when he became successful, it says he became proud. And his heart made him then act corruptly because of his pride. And he was unfaithful to God. And so God had to take him down a few notches, right? But here's the thing. God says this, that if you fear me and there's humility, he says, I'll give you honor, I'll give you riches, and I'll give you longevity. And I'll just share this, that I, I think this is how it worked. That um, A number of years I was at a conference and some people that I really respect, that really mentored me and grew me uh, in the Lord, that uh, we were there, we were talking, and then I was talking to you know, this pastor's wife. We we're just talking about family and and uh, she knows how long I'd been around and she was asking like, oh, how old are your kids? And my kids were real young at that point. And she says, oh, wow, Glenn, you're such a late starter, a late bloomer, she said. Because I was 35 when I got married. And, uh, and my kids came later, right? So my fear was always, oh, I don't want the kids to go on the soccer field and they say, hey, nice day, grandpa came, watch you guys play, right? So... But you know what? They, they didn't say that, at least not to my face. I don't know what they said behind. But, but I was a little offended, to be honest. I was a little irritated with what she said, if I'm real honest. Oh, wow, I felt, you know, like a oh, late bloomer or whatever. But you know what? The whisper of the Lord said this to me. Glenn, it's because you're going to have a long shelf life. Don't be afraid that, that you didn't get to start earlier. But because you fear me, I believe, he didn't say this, but I believe this is why he said it. Because you fear me, I'm gonna give you length of days. And sometimes I'm seeing my friends, and I'm not known because I'm the flashiest pastor, the flashiest preacher, but you know what people have said? Man, you're always in it for the long haul, right? You're always at it, you don't quit. And it's because this is what God said. When you honor me, I'll give you riches. Not always financial, 
but you have a rich life. You have honor, and there'll be a length of days. Make sense? Let's bow our heads, close in a word for her. Father, we, sometimes we live in a world where everything is going crazy and different things happen. We're thankful that we can have peace in you despite all that's happening on the outside. Because when you're alive in us on the inside, Lord, we have your sense of strength. And Father, we have that security in you. And we're thankful, Lord, that your promise is that those who honor you, that those who fear you, that those who have that humility, that not only will you bring riches or an honor and life, but that you would also protect us. Lord, that you would, you would also call us at times that we're gonna need to contend for promises. And some of us, there's things that right now that you've been believing God for, but it's a struggle. It's just a struggle. And you know what? That don't quit. Don't give up. Keep praying for it. And if there needs to be a shift, because sometimes maybe we've been building our life on something else. We've been fighting on it. We've been fighting for it. But we've been fighting for it in our own strength. We've been trying to manipulate. You've been trying to lobby. And, and you know, the thing is, is, some of that is fine. It's just put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. But if that's you today, that, that we need to contend for something, would you just raise your hand today? Say, that's me, Lord. I, there's things that I just, I need you to move because I haven't been able to do that yet. And Father, we're just praying right now for those that we're contending for what they're contending for. Father, for some of them, I, I believe it's, in the, the series of areas of work. And Father, for some of us, it's in, in, in financial situations. Father, for some of us, it's in health things. Some of us, Lord, it, it's in accomplishing the thing that you dream that you've placed in our heart. God, we're just saying, Lord, that, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that would you release this thing? Would the, whatever is the obstacle in the way, Father, would you, we come alongside and we stand in agreement with them. And Father, we're just saying that, God, what you promise that you will fulfill. You're not just a promise maker, but you're a promise keeper. And so, Father, to help us if there are things that we need to do to fulfill our end of the promise. Lord, whether that's to honor you, whether that's to fear you, Lord, whether that's to revere you, Lord, would you just show us so that we might, Lord, stand on the rock when we pray for these things. But Father, we're thankful that for others, Lord, would there be riches, would there be honor, and would there be the lengthening of days? Lord, would we be the angel of the Lord that encircles and encamps around them in their home? Lord, them and their business, Lord, them and their relationships today. Because, Lord, we honor you. Lord, and when we honor you, we will fear much less anything else because you are the king you're the lord you're the chief over all things today we declare it and god's people say in jesus name amen amen hey god bless you guys thanks for joining us this week thank you for tuning in to the new hope couple messages podcast we hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, 
visit our website at newhopecapole.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.